0: Welcome to All The Things with Monique Dussan from the Center for Biblical Unity and Theology Mom, Krista Bontrager. And now, here's Krista and Monique.
1: Woo-hoo! It's Saturday night. Hello and welcome to All The Things. I'm Monique Dussan. And I'm Krista Bontrager. And this is the show. Well, you are you, you also known as Theology oh, Mom? Oh, also known as Theology Mom. Is that what you're waiting for? I'm just trying to do things how we always do it. Okay. <laughs> this is the show where we talk about all the things related to God, the Bible, and real life.
2: Yes. And helping us on the show tonight and every Saturday night is the one and only Bob Bontrager. Oh, he's sporting his For the Martyrs hat. Awesome. All right. March for the Martyrs is coming up next weekend in Washington, D.C., that's where our daughter uh emily works in as a journalist talking about the persecuted church yes so
1: yes
2: yes. um we are live we're back home
1: we made it oh i forgot i was like we're always here no we were (laughs) at the Airbnb. no we were at the airbnb oh my gosh what an awesome airbnb in irondale um if you ever go to Birmingham, hit me up because I'm like, I know the place for you to stay. So, yes, we yes. spent a week in Birmingham. You went to, it's public knowledge now because it was put on social media, <laughs> but you went to um, an intensive for a doctoral program that you're in. That starting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you're in it. So, you, <laughs> yeah, if you went to the class, I went, you're in it. Yeah. You're in. Um. <laughs> And I also did a couple of classes there in person since I was there, which was tons of fun. We had a bit of a retreat. So we're
2: both, we're both
1: We are students. both at the same time, us, together. At
2: students yes. at the same seminary. Yeah. Hopefully we don't burn
1: it all down. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully not. So what's your degree in? Public theology. Okay. So and not what the, is, what is public theology? Public theology kind of brings, Apologetics, um, theology, and philosophy together, and it helps you to have conversations with the everyday person about theology and apologetics and philosophy. So it kind of it boils it down. So instead of just having this big heady conversation about like the teleological argument, which I still really don't know what it is, um, you I can I'll learn what it is, and then I'll be able to kind of boil that down and be like to the everyday person. Hey, do you want to know the purpose of all things? Here we go. Let's talk.
2: So public theology is kind of looking at current events and how that intersects with the historic Christian worldview. I'm in a doctor of ministry program and um, I, uh, my emphasis is in apologetics right now. I'm doing a whole lot of reading on a standpoint epistemology and trying to work on that project because it seems like there are very few people working on Standpoint Epistemology. As I mentioned last week on this show, and somebody emailed me. Thank you, Mr. Michael, who has been working on this. And we had a wonderful Zoom call yesterday, and he sent me, he saved me about 100 hours of research. He sent me a whole bunch of journal articles, and I said yes and amen to that. So working on Standpoint Epistemology, which in... Popular language is when you hear things like the black perspective on X, Y, Z or the
1: white perspective, the white
2: perspective, or, um, you know, there's a white interpretation of the Bible and a black interpretation of the Bible Uh, or a Latin interpretation. Yeah, Yeah. these are cues that you, you are talking about something called standpoint epistemology. So that is what I'm working on right now.
1: Would it be considered like your theological intersection?
2: Kind of. Yeah. yeah. That that you have special knowledge based on your melanin.
1: So. Oh, I have special knowledge. <laughs> I don't know if it's based on my melanin, but I don't even know if we should call it knowledge. <laughs> hey, Esther Myers is joining us from England. Hey. All right. Awesome.
2: So that reminds us that we are live right now. So we do want to invite you to add your voice to the conversation or whatever frivolity you want to call this. I don't know if it qualifies as a conversation yet, um, but we do actually read the comments on the live stream and uh, try to incorporate them into the show. Tonight's moderators helping everybody on the stream is
1: Allison Wardrip and
2: the one and only Laura Hartley. So we also want to uh, ask you to uh, help support the show easiest thing to do is make a comment hit the thumbs up that really helps the algorithms that's a baseline thing that everybody should be able to do share the show um or as Monique likes to do share it with a few of your enemies and um get the word out there and this show is
1: brought to you by The Center for Biblical Unity, the Theology Mom Podcast, and Family 210 Clothing. And our Family 210 shirt tonight is Truth Has No Color. Hey, that's really relevant for standpoint epistemology. Yes.
2: We actually have the crazy idea that there's such a thing as transcendent truth. (laughs)
1: Yes. You know, I feel like if you really want to start to irritate people, just wear that shirt. (laughs) Just wear it, like wear it on an airplane. Yeah. Truth has no color. You can offend so many people all at one time. (laughs) Not that we should be seeking to offend. I know my shirt says love, but the petty side of me. Petty like We love her. Yes. She's she's still being sanctified every day by Jesus.
2: So about $10 of every uh, sale goes to help support our family or the ministry, depending on what you buy. So go get your merch.
1: All right. What are we doing tonight? Tonight we're doing worship. I am so excited. This is a topic you have been wanting to do for a while. I have. Talking about worship. I have wanted to, I love to worship. Like it is my heart and passion. I love, love, love worship. And, you know, before I moved over into the historic vein of Christianity, I listened to a lot of different worship music and just, you know, didn't realize that I was singing songs that were basically just about me. (laughs) I call those I, the Jesus love songs. Yeah, w- worship. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like, <laughs> it, it, it feels good. It sounds good. I'm like, yes, I, I really like this. Um, But as I, you know, dug deeper into scripture over the last three years and have gotten into seminary classes and understanding, like, how do you um, read the Bible? How do you um, do proper hermeneutics and things like that? As I have listened to the same music that I loved, loved, loved. Now I'm like, oh, you said what? I don't think that means what you think it means, boo boo. (laughs) And so I've wanted just to be able to have a conversation about worship. One of my main questions is what in the world? Like, how are we getting our lyrics, people? Like, is it just what feels good to me? What kind of lifts my spirit? Um, And like, it's got a good beat. I can dance to it. Hey, I can shout to it. Don't play no games. But, you know, in in worship is our chant. Oh, I'm Anglican. <laughs> there you go. If if you, if worship, if in worship, the highest goal is to make sure that you feel good or that, you know, we can say like, oh, I got in during worship today. Well, you know, is that the highest goal or is the highest goal to give it away, to get it out, to to really. Um, come before the Lord and to worship him and sing songs about him and who he is and his glory and splendor. So yeah, things I've been just kind of working on the last couple of years. Awesome.
2: Looking forward to it. But first I have to say hi to Justin Davis. Stop playing with me. Where you been? Boy? Where my cousin at? <laughs> Where you been? Glad to see you on the stream tonight. Yes. Yes. All
1: right. Oh, my gosh. And Elaine Voss is here. I'm so glad she's here because she also helps lead worship. Sings, plays, and does church. Yes.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So let's bring on our friends Seth and Nerva to the show.
1: Yes. Do you remember when we first met them? Yeah. Yes. Right? At uh, Impact Impact 360. 360. Yeah. Yeah. They were there leading the worship. And I was like, who is this? What is going on? (laughs) didn't nobody tell me
0: so welcome to
1: welcome to (laughs) our shenanigans you two
0: we're glad to (laughs) be part of the shenanigans tonight thanks for having
2: us us.
1: (laughs) yay so uh, just to start out give us the like one to two minute introduction who is Seth and Nerva where do y'all come from? what do y'all do how'd y'all meet like I got questions well, they can't I, cover all that in one minute. I, I, you can cover true. it in two. Right.
0: I'll give you the Nerva perspective. So we'll do a little standpoint Which tonight. And, I'll, the and right. then I'll make ah. some <laughs>
3: Here we go.
0: Go ahead, baby.
3: You know, Seth and Nerva, we are husband and wife. Uh, we met on the road doing music professionally. We had uh, made careers out of being background singers in the Christian and gospel industry. And we actually met at a Billy Graham crusade in San Diego at Qualcomm Stadium back in the early 2000s. And from there, we became friends, um, got married maybe two to three years later, love. Is that yeah, true? And I'll, t- then, I'll talk about right, that. Right. So um, we are, We do ministry, we do music ministry, we speak, we travel, we, we um, love the church, we love the body of Christ, and we go out as God sends us. Currently, I'm working at Liberty University as an assistant professor in their school of music. And we still do music and record and travel and all of that. Yeah,
0: we have a group called Seth and Nerva. Nerva's been writing songs because I just kind of quit writing songs lately. (laughs) Um, But we're about to come out with a new EP that we're really excited about. And next month, uh, I think a song drops. But yeah, I would say I would just add to that. um, In fact, I feel in my spirit that somebody's on this chat, even tonight. I'm going to speak to you. (laughs) Oh, the one brother. Here we go. The one brother in this chat tonight that you've been friend zoned.
1: Oh, um, and I just yeah.
0: I want to tell you it can happen. <laughs> it yeah. has, ha- and I'm gonna testify because I was I was the I was the here chief. I was the king of the friend zone. This this lady right here. I, I told her how I, I felt, did. Monique. I'm speaking to you for a second. You'll appreciate this. I finally worked up the courage to tell her how I felt after traveling on the road with her for, you know, several months, and she she basically said no, it's not going to work. So I rebutted her case and like, I, I gave her my best hey. stuff. And she said, she said it wasn't going to happen. So anyways, um, I went to, I was going to Africa for a few weeks to do some music with a gospel artist named Donnie McClurkin got back. And I was like, I'm never going to talk to her again. And um, she texted me. I ignored it. She called me and I answered it. Cause I thought I've been praying hard in Africa and I know God answers uh, prayers in Africa in a, in, a, in a higher way. <laughs> And so go. I said, "The Lord, the Lord changed her mind." I thought He changed her mind, but she still just wanted to be friends. But, anyways, three months later, I don't know something happened. I'm, I'm, I don't know what happened. What happened, babe? She <laughs> <You, you laughs> saw her wicked ways and repented, and uh, came into the kingdom of light. And uh, we got married, and so we've been married now sixteen years. Sixteen years. Sixteen years, man. So it's yeah. been it's been awesome, and we we love uh, just getting to do ministry together and and all kind of stuff. So excited to be here with you with you all tonight. Somebody, well, look at you somebody need to hear that word though because you're in the friend zone right now so you
1: in the friend they singing that song I fell Wait. down but I got up <laughs> go ahead with Donnie come on don't play with Donnie we fell down but we got up yes Listen, get back uh-huh. up again oh my word yes yes yes
0: <laughs> some of y'all need to stay in the friend zone because a friend spot. is just a husband
1: who fell down but got uh-huh. Up. Uh-huh. let me stop uh-huh. oh no a husband is just a friend that yes. right? who we, fell down but got we got need up.
0: to stop and take an offering and pray right now for somebody will because... <laughs> do it Yes.
1: <laughs> if y'all are not familiar with Donnie McClurkin, that is 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 is, is gospel. He That's he's been around name. for a long time.
0: Yes. Yep. Yep.
1: So we met Seth and Nerva
2: at Impact three hundred and sixty. They helped out with the worship during the yeah. summer camp. Yes. And then they were there again this summer. Yes. So we got to see them again. That I was, was like, ah! an added blessing. So um, yeah, we love our friends at Impact three hundred and sixty. So let's. You know, I know that we've been wanting to have this show for a long time. So let's just get into it and start. I w- I'm going to ask the hardest question first,
1: Okay. which is, let's do it. What
2: is worship? Mm-hmm. Because it's a word that we just throw around so much. Okay. Yeah. And it, 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 it's a word that needs a definition. It's a word that needs some, you know, like help us paint that picture of what worship is.
0: Yeah, so typically, well, even when we do impact, we'll, we'll ask the students that question the first night, and so we want to get them thinking about, like, what is a good definition for that, because definitions are so important, um, and, you know, you'll, you'll inevitably, I think, usually the first or second person will say, you know, it's a lifestyle, and that's true, like, we, we typically will refer that to worship in the broad sense, or the broad definition of worship coming straight from Romans 12, you know, Therefore, present your, your bodies as a, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And he says, this is your spiritual worship. Um, and so that is like worship in the first sense is your whole life lived for God. But there are uh, other, you know, a lot a lot of the passages in the Bible that talk about worship in a more specific way. And so sometimes we'll call that the, the narrow definition. And it'll say, you know, someone bowed and they worshipped God or they prayed and they worshiped, they sung and they worshiped. And um, you know the, the way that we sometimes summarize that, there's a, there's a good definition, I think, in the Life with God Bible, and it says, expressing in words, music, rituals, and even silent adoration, the greatness, beauty, and goodness of God, by means of which we enter into the supernatural reality of his glory. Um, and then Louis Giglio gives kind of a simple definition that I think is good, but he says, worship is our response, mm-hmm. both corporate and personal, to, to God for who he is and what he's done and it's expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. So that kind of captures, you know, the broad and and narrow sense of the definition. And yeah, I think that's, that's a pretty good starting point.
1: Yeah. I, um, I like that. And you know, the, the response to God and, Mm -hmm. but if, if what I'm hearing in your definition It sounds like it's something extremely Christian, Mm. you know, are Christians then in your thought, the only ones who worship?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. um, I am probably given like a specifically Christian definition before. Yeah. Did you have something to add to that? I would
3: start that answer by saying, you know, there's an assumption in that question that all Christians worship. And so um, we all know Christians who seemingly at times don't worship the God of the Bible. But Monique, I would love to go back to something you said earlier. You said you love worship. And I think it's because you love God. Hmm. And to love worship is to love God. The object of your worship is, is what you worship and to love the God of the Bible Jesus Christ, um, God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. I think it begins there. You talked about the response. It's the appropriate response to um, God's revealed nature and character and power. And I think things get casual when um, we lose sight of his character. We, We lose sight of his holiness. We lose sight of, I mean, he is the one that spoke all Things created into existence, and so I think, um, in regards to Christians, do all Christians are Christians the only one who worship? I'll let you take it, love.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think if you if you think of like the whole semantic range of worship, right, talking about that response element, responding to what you take to be ultimate, um, obviously, then every I think you know to use a Douglas Wilson phrase, it's not whether but which. It's not whether you're going to worship, but it's which thing you're going to worship, which is mm. going to be the ultimate object. Um, in your worldview. So if you have the naturalist, you know, you have the Carl Sagan where he, where, if you listen to those old Cosmos series, he would, he would almost end up worshiping, you know, the universe, mm-hmm. like the, the mm-hmm. physics and chemistry and the way he talked about it was the way you'd hear a Christian talk about God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you hear the postmodernists as well, like whether it's the, the critical race theory branch, you know, who basically worships the flag and in, in every element of, man, what new way can we um, flip God's creational norms on its head? And, and, and that's creative. And there's kind of this, this reverence and awe for, for this novel um, new crazy way of living and doing sexuality. So it's like, it's, it's not whether, but which thing you're going to worship in your worldview, whatever's ultimate, you're Mm -hmm. going to tend to respond to that with some sort of awe or reverence because we're, we're really made for that as human beings created in God's image. He made us, to worship like it's part of who we are yeah, we can't get yeah. out of that even the most like you know the most like richard dawkins kind of new atheist person ends up oftentimes worshiping reason yeah. um so yeah. it's you know yeah that's i how heard I a actually.
3: message once up from uh is it Ligon duncan he said you know whatever is on the throne of your soul whatever you're putting all your energy into whatever you think about the most your whatever you, i mean if you if someone wants to measure what's inside of you and what gives you um, what you think about the most that is what you worship and he said that that there doesn't lie it tells the truth every mm-hmm. time so yeah, that's another I'm, way to tell
2: i would love it uh seth if you could read that first definition uh that you gave again because it was just so good and i just want us to like just hear it one more time and, and just mm-hmm. to ground our our conversation if you wouldn't mind reading that again
0: Yeah, for sure. And again, so it's from the Life with God Bible. I think Dallas Willard was one of the editors on it. And, you know, I think he's good with this kind of topic for sure. And he said, or they said, expressing in words, music, rituals, and silent adoration, the greatness, beauty, and goodness of God, by means of which we enter the supernatural reality of the Shekinah or glory of God.
2: Mm. That's really good. That is. And, and in thinking about something you said, um, that because we're created in the image of God that, and I I think I agree with you that it is uniquely human to worship. Um, Mm. my old boss, uh, Dr. Hugh Ross, um, at Reasons to Believe, uh, you know, that was something that he pointed out to me, you know, early on in, in my time there is, you know, how unique it is that humans are the ones who worship, you know, Um, as intelligent and beautiful and wonderful, some of the advanced mammals are the, the job of, of worshiping, you know, and some would even say that in the garden, Adam and Eve, part of what they were doing was almost acting in a priestly capacity there. And that this is, a unique feature of what it means to be a human person and only humans are created in the image of God. That makes me think that worship is uniquely human, but also that even in our fallen state, you know, this is what makes us susceptible to Mm -hmm. falling into false worship because we are created to worship. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts along those lines.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly what we see, like, like, it is uniquely human. And I just think you see it across the board, like the people I mentioned before, and even, you know, some of the the so called elite architects of the world right now, like a guy named like uh, Yuval Noah Harari, who, you know, he talks about hacking human beings and how we can become God. And, and he almost does it like it's a worship service, you know, at the World Economic Forum, they're talking like, it's just, it's really, I think to me, every time I watch those guys, it reminds me of the fall and how it's taken that good thing that God put in us and, and twisted it. And, uh, I just think that's, you know, that's what the enemy does. He's an expert at deception. And he, and he takes those good things and he, any, he, and he inverts what we're supposed to worship where we're supposed to worship God, but Romans one, you know, we, we, we begin to worship the creation mm-hmm. and we want to be God. And that's back to, you know, back to the Genesis story, same thing. It's just souped up and, you know, uh, Te- techie world and uh, giving like a, a modern veneer to it.
1: Hmm. Wow. Yeah. It, it, I'm just. I have so many thoughts like happening all at once. Um, and one of the things that I think, as as humans are the ones who worship, we've been, I would say, ordained to worship. We um, we are unique in that we do worship. You know. Something that that Nerva you you mentioned earlier, you said, well, not all Christians, people who you know are Christian, may worship, and that just got mm. me thinking of, well, all Christians don't worship. Wait, what? Um, part of what I think I am seeing more and more is that there are many people who, um, who step into the space of worship who step in like onto the platform of worship and they've been placed there because they have a good voice. Mm-hmm. And you know as soon as you have this good voice then you're considered anointed and as the person of God who is now anointed maybe this only happens in black church I don't know. But um you know now that you are the anointed person and the one who is who is meant to lead worship because of this gifting I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this, the idea of like gifting in the physical, like I have a good voice versus a spiritual gift of like worship and, and being, I guess, placed in the position to lead worship. So like Mm -hmm. what are the qualifications? Yeah. What are the qualifications? Like, is it only just, I can sing so I can lead, you know what I mean? And and does that kind of put churches in a, Bad spot or a bad position if they go off of maybe just this natural ability to to lead to sing. Wow!
3: Now you've got my mind going. And <laughs> you know, I I like to to think of the the team. I think they were the original elders that were uh, chosen to help Moses in the service of the tabernacle. They had to be um, wise. They were set apart for God. They were gifted. They were anointed, and I think it's it's it was a whole life oriented towards service for God. And I think today's uh, worship is so focused on the music and so focused on the singing that it has become a little bit um, imbalanced, in my opinion, where yes, God loves singing. He commands us to sing, make a joyful noise, come before his presence with singing. However, I think um, if not careful, the emotionalism that we experience in church, which is a beautiful thing, can be um, counted as the anointing. And I think that happens a lot. And I think um, we enjoy praising, we enjoy shouting, we enjoy the experience of God, but It's also good to remember that the original church, the the Bible believing Christians, they got together because it was true because Jesus was Lord, because he rose from the dead, not necessarily to have an experience, but I think with the focus becoming, um, as of late, just experiencing God and the singer can get us there. And when they hit that note and when they shout um, that's quote unquote, the anointing. And I think that's two separate things for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Did you want to add to that, yeah. Seth? Or
0: Yeah. I might add to that. I was, uh, you know, when you're thinking about the word anointing, you guys always do such a good job with this, but in, another thing as good as like definitions, what does mm-hmm. that mean? Like biblically speaking, Cause Nerva just said this true. Like you, it's easy to confuse giftedness with anointing. And so I was, you know, I, I have never done like a major word study on that or anything. Um, and just kind of had the same vague idea that everybody, but I, but I was looking it up this week a little bit. And just the idea of, if in the old Testament, especially being consecrated or set apart from God, it also like, um, denoted like being given authority is it was, it was like a positional mm-hmm. thing so a king would be anointed that would mean man this this is this is the chosen person for this and sometimes the effect of the thing anointed would be um that it would be like this special thing but that's picked up in the new testament and you know it's brought into this idea that you would see anointing oil being used in prayer and it was like the the gifts of the the spirit the, the grace of god would be with it and in this connects to sort of like what Dallas Willard used to say about grace and grace is, It's the, uh, it's sort of the gap between what we can do on our own and the outcome that that God produces mm-hmm. from that. And so you would call the incommensurability between the two. That was where God's grace was the empowering. And that's kind of like the picture of anointing that you see in the new Testament. It's like, it's God doing something beyond what you can you do in your own that. person. And th- I think that's why people will sometimes mistake the emotion they feel Um, when someone sings so incredibly, like, or they're so talented, they'll automatically think, man, that's the spirit of God, like gracing this person to do, um, this amazing thing. And it might be, but it's kind of tricky. I don't know if you've ever done like the, where you mine for gems at those old, uh, like, you know, like in the mountains, like we used to do that as a kid and as a kid, you think everything that shines is like valuable. Right. And so you, you make that mistake. And I think it's just a common mistake people make is like, man, because they're they a great singer, that therefore there's something really, um, there's something spiritually anointing. But oddly enough, when I looked this up this week, there was a passage in, um, I don't know if you guys are super familiar, I wasn't familiar with it off point. I've heard it before, but um, it was in First John 2, 20. And I just, I'll just i read a little bit about that, but it says, but they went out that, that it might become plain that they are not all, it was talking about people leaving the faith or walking away uh, and a bunch of antichrist type stuff going on. But he said, but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. And he goes on down the road, and he says, uh, "This is verse twenty-three. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father. Also, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son, the Father." And he says in twenty-seven, "But the anointing that you receive from Him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as the anointing teaches you about everything." So, anyways, the idea here is there's there's a connection between anointing and discerning the truth. And I think like in that sense, like you guys are anointed as teachers, like you, you are like God has anointed you to cut through all the noise and the lies and, 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 and to present truth. And sometimes we just think about it like nervous, in this kind of emotional ecstatic experience, but the anointing is for the work of God and, and for the, every position that he gives us. So it's just basically this idea that he gives us, he graces us to do something that we can't do in our own strength
4: Hmm.
2: Wow. That's really deep. Yeah. That gives me a lot to think about there. Um, I think, you know, another tension in, in that kind of the, all right, defining worship, figuring out who's called to be the leader, but then there's also the other tension of creating quality music. I mean, I think that, you know, the artistic component of it, and this is something that Monique and I have been, talking about lately um, as a new conversation between us is the importance of art and artistic expression to express ideas and, Mm. you know, storytelling, good storytelling is important because um, if you just have a lot of philosophical ideas, but you can't get them to the regular people, then they're just going to stay up here. But art is a key vehicle to taking the philosophy and getting it out to the regular people i always say worship music is one of the main ways that that people in the pews are catechized mm. you know and whether or not they have good theology or more superficial theology a lot of their theology is shaped by those worship yeah. lyrics and yet you know there's there's that tension of theological faithfulness mm-hmm. and Good quality art. Um, I'm just wondering if you guys have any thoughts about about managing that tension.
0: We don't have any thoughts about that. I'm just. I'm sure.
2: <laughs> I would love to hear oh, some wow. nervous thoughts.
3: About no, it. No. No, 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 no. You know, I I was I I I think there's a scripture here I want to share. When this is of when Moses was. Uh, receiving instruction from God, and then he began to collect the offerings from the Israelites in order to build the tabernacle. And it speaks of um, Moses said, Moses then said to the Israelites, Look, the Lord has appointed by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah. He has filled him with God's spirit, with wisdom and understanding and ability of every kind to craft. To design, and he does. He did artistic work, and with gold and silver and bronze. And I, that made that reminded me that God definitely has, um, or will impart a skill, a wisdom, and anointing mm-hmm. on persons for the work of the body of Christ in a skillful manner. And when you consider creation, is the most amazing. Creation and most most um, glorious um, act of creativity, God definitely cares about beauty and art and 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 doing things in an artful manner. He called here uh, Bezalel to who who was skilled hmm. to come build a tabernacle. So in regards to music, you know, it speaks of singing skillfully before the Lord, playing skillfully. So, but I don't. I don't believe that God would um, omit the posture of the heart above the skill. I think Mm. the two work hand in hand that these people gave to the Lord freely and willfully. So there's a um, motives matter, you know what I mean, when creating. And so I think a beautiful worship song, like you said, really can be used of God to really draw people to him. And when it's beautiful, it's just glorious. And it points you back to him. Beauty is of the Lord. Um, Good art is from God. And so I I would say that God definitely appreciates or cares about good art to his name, to his glory. Um, What gets tricky is when we put the creation before Mm. the God of, of, of creation and so. Yeah. That's a tricky part. What do you say to that? No, nah,
0: it's good. I will add to something. Um so one of the I think you're right, Krista, that one of the functions of worship is to catechize. Mm. Um not the only function, but that is one of the major ones. And I think so. I, I'll tell you guys a story. Story time. Um so we were with a worship label for a long time, um, uh, not a long time, a couple of years, and they were awesome, like great experience there overall. But some of the conversations, like we we would have conversations with high-level industry people. And so what has happened is worship music has become like a a merchandised commodity. And so when that happens, you get an industry set up. Now, when you have an industry set up, it may or may not go in in the same line as like biblical teleology. (laughs) So the purpose uh, gets set maybe in a different direction. And I think this will let you know kind of one of the directions that creates that tension. So we would meet with like major people they would be like, Oh, okay. You got it. You got it. Your, your lyrics have to be ambiguous enough. Cause it has to reach beyond denominational lines. Um, music can't be too complicated cause your average church, you know, of, of you know, 75 to hundred people has to be able to play this on a Sunday morning, pretty close to what it actually is. So based on that, you're writing for these top 40 or top 100 CCLI charts. And they know what they're talking about. They know what works like the the industry has um, it has a formula to it. And by and large, it tends to work toward their goal. But the problem is that goal. Obviously, if you do that, you can see why that that's not going to help you catechize very well with um, rich, deep theology or even accurate theology, because it's going to swim in the world of ambiguity and then musically with the art um, form, especially in the CCM world, it's different in black gospel. It's a, it's a bit of a different thing. There's more, uh, chordal, uh, variables allowed (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because, because your average church (laughs) in the black gospel side could play anything. So Mm -hmm. it's just a different situation, but in in the CCM world, you know, you, you hear the classic one, four, five, Um, six minor, mm -hmm. occasional two minor. Um, And you got to work with that. And, and so it's just is the way it is when you're doing that you're going to be restricted in the ability Mm. to kind of like explore um, artistically and there there are people that do that great I don't mean to take away from some of the worship artists like who, who do that that thing very well, Um, but but you can see how pretty easily I think how that creates that exact tension you're talking about.
4: That's
2: so helpful. Like just giving insight into the mechanics mm-hmm. of uh you know where we're at and the machine if you will the system of of how a lot of these songs are made
1: um I, yeah, yeah it was there was something said um you know around keeping it a bit ambiguous so that it can be shared between denominations and on one hand i can see you know depending on what the lyrics are i can see yeah. you know how that could potentially okay. be helpful but You know, my first thought is, well, how much do we create this this, um, you know, ambiguity or how thin do we thread the gospel? How thin do we thread the songs that we're singing about? Because at some point and this could just be me and y'all can correct me. I'm not the worship leader. Um, You know, how thin do we do we thread it? And at some point, are we trading um, the truth of scripture and the truth of the gospel in order to be able to sell a song.
0: Yeah. And I i would jump in on that because um there's a parallel probably too to writing books. Um, were you gonna say something like that? But I was thinking of like William Lane Craig many years ago said he met with some publishers and they were saying, Hey, we we need more books with postmodern thinking in them. And he was like, No. Like, I'm not going to do that. Even if it pays, like we've, I think that that's part of what we feel like, man, even if it works pragmatically, does that mean we should do it? Obviously not. Like we've, we've got to do what's right, even if it means not making as much money. And so really, it really, it comes down to the individual artists and you walk with the Lord and really wrestling with that. Because I think that you're right, Monique, like there is that line and and this is just one fruit of of a root, you know that that really the church growth movement, yeah. and it, it, you know there's a whole chapter that Gary Black did on the on Dallas Willard's proto evangelical faith, where he talks about that movement and how it's really geared toward the person the the pew as a consumer. And um, Mm -hmm. everything is built towards entertaining them to get the three B's butts, bucks and baptisms. (laughs) And -hmm. so you got to get people coming back. And so if you're doing worship with that in mind, you've lost the game. Like the it's, you've already set off on the wrong course. And if you're doing preaching from that, it's the same thing. And so I feel like this is a, this is not a message just for the worship leader or the, the worship artists. It's a, it's a message for us in the church is like, man, maybe that model at root is off and we need to get back to ecclesiology from a biblical Mm. perspective and say, it needs to be God focused. It's really, it's really to serve. It's a service, a worship service, not an experience It's to serve God. And in that connection, like that's where awesome things happen, but we don't, we don't go after the awesome things happening to the people in the pew so that they come back and then trying to gear that with this industry. And I do think that that we have to accept that challenge that you're talking about of saying, man, um, maybe that's not the best aim to go after. Did you have something to add to no, that? No, that's
3: exactly what I was
1: thinking. Yeah, gosh. I mean, um, you know, that that really sends me down a whole other pathway that I I, I don't want to get into. So I won't go down that pathway. But, you know, I do think that it's um disheartening, you know, if I'm honest to to think that so much money conversations go into our worship time and how many pastors, how many, you know, people who are even just sitting in the pews understand all of the, the mechanisms, you know, what'd you say? It was, but, buck, but, but, buts, bucks and baptisms, you know, that's what everything is geared toward. But, how about we gear things toward you know discipleship? That we gear mm-hmm. things toward um, a a true understanding of the scriptures and how to live a life that reflects um, you know the principles and tenets of scripture. So yeah, thanks for that because that that was truly helpful, really insightful.
0: Yeah, um, and I and I don't mean to broad brush every artist either that they're all motivated by that, but I'm just but I, but I am saying like the industry itself it's, if you, if you're not going to do that, you almost have to get out of it. Like it's really hard to stay in it and maintain it. Some people do that, but I think you're right, man. We all the way down, like every part from the pastors to the, to the deacon, to the, the person making the roast beef after service, (laughs) we got to We got to have a paradigm shift. Yeah. And and so you're, you're hitting on that.
1: I mean, because what, what you're talking about really makes me think of a lot of even just the gospel artists that I listen to and they're merging and, and black gospel music has merged with secular artists for mm-hmm. a very, very long time. Um, yeah. But if I mean, just recently, a, a, about a month ago, you know, Beyonce um sample the Clark sister song. But you yeah. know, last year or the year before, I think it was Tasha Cobb's had Nicki Minaj on on her one of her songs. And it's like there is this, you know, what's gonna sell? Yeah. And at that point we have to as as believers ask ourselves, you know, what are we how are we participating with something that is so sacred? Mm-hmm. You know, how are we participating with the worship of of our very, very Holy God. Um, Ooh, come on. But another thing that um that I wanted to ask you guys is about even the placement of worship leaders. Um, you mm. know, coming into because I used to I used to work I've worked for two big churches and In working with those churches, what you see and what, you know, what we saw and if you're, you know, at one of these kind of churches, then you might understand um, is like fog machines. And all of the lighting and the whole light systems and the way that the lights are programmed and all of that to be able to create, like you guys are saying, this experience. But when we think about more of the ancient faith traditions within Christianity, one of the things we see is that the the choir or the worship leader, they're off to the side or they're actually behind the people so that there's no focus on them at all. When did we get away from that model where it's only the cross before us and us giving our worship to God? And ex- and and when did we get away from that to exchange it for almost this like concert mentality? Gosh.
3: When did we, together, when right? that
2: happen,
0: <laughs> that
3: shift? You know, I don't know exactly when. It feels like it was a slow progression, but for sure right now, I think um, the, that worship leader position, it is, yeah. it's quite rock starish. It's, it comes with a nice looking platform and I'm not saying that all worship leaders are really in for it for that, but I'll tell a story. I remember one time I was visiting um, New York with a friend of mine from college and we happened to walk past times square church. This was some years ago. and, We, it was like a Tuesday night. They were having like prayer night or something or Bible study. And it was packed. We found a a place to sit like in the balcony somewhere in the back. But I'll never forget. I looked down on the platform and there was no one on the platform. There was someone leading worship from the organ or the piano. And it was off to the side. No one was in the middle. and And I was even caught off guard. Where do you, where, who, and where is this person? But it was glorious. It was powerful worship everyone was just singing to God. And then the pastor at the time got up and prayed, I mean, on his face before the Lord petitioning for God to save the area and the neighborhood. But that was just the only experience I've ever had where mm. the focus was not the person leading the singing the the leader. And so I I'm with you, Monique. I think, um, there is definitely a focus right now on the presentation being um, more like theater style performance. There's lights, there's, and even so much so that some of the congregations are, the lights are lowered. I mean, there's low lighting so that everyone's eyes can be towards the stage. And, um, I I don't know. I, I, I am not saying that God can't work at all through that, but that's Mm definitely people. There's a pressure to feel like if you don't have those things in your church, then you're not quote unquote successful. And, and it really comes down to, I believe it comes down to, are you going to trust God to build your church by the spirit? Are you going to trust in things and tactics and trends to build your church.
0: Yeah. And I'll, I'll just quickly add to that. There's a, there's a preacher in California that calls it a big screen, skinny oh, yes. jeans and fog machines. But so, so I think if you're, if you're thinking about the art, like you said before, Krista, like there's a, oh, there can be a place for like that kind of stuff in that context. Yeah. The problem is like, again, if you've set it up with that church growth model, um, yeah. the, the purpose is the consumer. And then you're doing that stuff with that in mind. Then you have the, the, the problems at the root. Again, you got to keep it up. You're wearing people out. You're doing this theater and it's the wrong motivation. But I think if you're really training your, your church up as disciples and really teaching them how to worship mm-hmm. and not making it about the worship leader, then when you do add that stuff in, it's not, um, it's not that you're depending on that. It might add as it might be an aid, to um telling a story or um might be an aid to a a beautiful presentation but you're not depending on that and that's how you'll know like if you strip all that stuff away for a time and get the people off the side how many people would still show up and would they still Mm. be present and i think we might be in the phase right now we need to test that out a little bit to see Um, and you know maybe maybe god through all this craziness that's going on like is, is doing that himself but um i think that that that's where the pro like the problem isn't necessarily with those things. The problem is at that, that more foundational level, but I think those things are symptoms of mm, that problem. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah. And I, I like your word there about, you know, letting the Holy spirit build it because I think there's so much, it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking, you know, like, well, unless our worship team sounds like what people hear on the radio. Yeah. um, You know, that's not going to, bring people to our church and so there's a lot of pressure for people that probably in most cases aren't professional musicians to you know they just want to serve the lord and their hearts in it um but there's a pressure like you got to sound like this big production you know that people hear on the radio and so you know in the, in the mega church model you know where churches are more fluent and have can sometimes even hire professional musicians and and have more staging and lighting and stuff that's there's a certain group of people that that's going to be highly appealing to and and they will choose a church based on that Yep. and i guess maybe one of the themes in exploring this in the show is that i'm hoping people will have a more nuanced thought process about worship and, and maybe even surfacing some of their own biases that, Mm. that, that they've had. Now, something I've noticed just in our conversation here, you guys uh, don't talk like normal worship leaders. Like you guys have some other types of ideas and vocabulary that you are interacting with, which makes me think that, you know, you have some theological training or apologetics training or something lurking in the background there that is informing and shaping how you think about these things. Maybe we should talk about that a little bit. Now that training impacts, you know, that, how you think about worship.
0: Mm, now, that's a good question. Um. So I'll start and I'll let you maybe finish this one, babe. But, so real, real long story, really short. I really wrestled with doubt in uh, college, just intellectual doubt of the Christian faith. And it kind of threw me into apologetics before apologetics was like real big. So back in the day when you could only find like a Josh McDowell book and maybe a Francis Schaeffer book, that was about it. Um, But um, I was working just threw me into that. And and through that process, it was, it was still long. I mean, of course always ongoing, but it was a good 15 years of really, really even into our marriage wrestling through those kinds of things. And I do feel like it, um, it led me into a much deeper biblical Mm -hmm. worship. And so I think theology going into it and, and really wrestling through those things is, is key to worship because, you know, if, you, how do you respond to who God is and what he's done? If you don't know who he is and if you don't know who he's, what he's done. Mm-hmm. And so part of that is, you know, just getting into the, the, the biblical narrative and really wrestling those things down. For me, it has an apologetic bent just because of my own struggles. It doesn't necessarily have to be like that for everybody, but I think with the, the level of biblical um, illiteracy, in our culture, it's we've seen it in the industry, and and it can it can be like that with worship leaders as well because they have a passion for music and they love God, but it's not always um, seen to be high up on the level of priority mm-hmm. for worship leaders to be um, theologically sound, theologically equipped, and theologically deep. But I, I have found it in my own life to be a a, a key, um, even even in leading others into worship. It's a it's a very helpful tool to to be able to like Monique was saying earlier, like public theology, like how do you take these great concepts, you know, um, the omnipotence of God and bring that into worship in a, in a way that people can understand all those kinds of things are helpful. Did you have anything you want to add to that? Babe?
3: Yeah, my quick journey is I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I got born again in college and um, I began to to go to church, learn about God a little bit. But uh, I, I would say the bulk of my Adoration and worship was more like loving God with my heart. When I met Seth and his struggle or his his studies splashed splashed onto me, so to speak, and he brought into my life loving God with all of my mind and reading and diving into apologetics. And um, he would take me alongside him to some of these conferences, and it would just was so impactful, life-changing and currently taking courses at Liberty University. Um, the more you learn about God, I mean, the more you will be in all of him and it will certainly impact your worship. You won't depend on the worship leader or your favorite song to come on in service. And you don't necessarily have to be in church to, to worship. And so that's my short version of yeah, no, the journey. Okay. Well, that.
2: I, man, it just, it leaves me so many other questions because one thought that I've had is I, if, if Crystal ruled the world, uh, before people would start writing worship songs, they would have two or three classes in theology
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> so that hire could, this woman,
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, uh, that, yes. that would be me. And, um, I guess right. I, I love it that, to make a space in our local churches for people who are artistic and have talent to be able to use that talent for the glory of God. But at the same time, you know, I, I just feel like our theology could be so much richer in the songs. Mm. And I think sometimes that's the appeal of the hymns for me. Yeah. Um. And, and that's not to say that some hymns don't have bad theology and some hymns have bad, Music, like some of them, sound they're the roller skating hymns, is what I call (laughs) them. They sound like they would be good at a roller skating rink. But um, you know, I think that there's if if the people writing the worship songs, you know, when I think of some of the songs written by uh, John and Charles Wesley, Mm. Isaac Watts, Mm. you know, they had such deep reflections on the faith. Um, And now, of course, they weren't trying to write radio hits, uh, but, you know, I'm just wondering, you know, if you think that that having some theological training at times could could maybe help some of these writers or is that just an impossible dream? Because (laughs) everybody's just trying to write radio hits.
0: Hmm. you
2: You know, adding to that
3: question or concern i i work with a lot of young people who aspire to be worship artists or w- worship leaders mm. serve in ministry and there are different worship movements so to speak or churches that are producing really popular songs and I'm noticing students who may not be able to sing very well on key, but you give them one of those songs that the churches that that's a popular song and they can do all the curls and the licks and all of the things like that. And that showcases how powerful these songs are in the lives of youth. And I am with you, Krista. I think some theology and some teaching would be awesome because when I scroll on social media and I see some of the posts and even some of the pictures of the lifestyles or comments or things, even outside of the lyrics, I'm worried about these people being influencers in the lives of youth today, where mm-hmm. older generation may be able to discern. But um, yeah, overall, I think some theology would only help <laughs> and enhance the writing and and the lifestyle.
0: Yeah, Yeah, man. I Uh, have
2: another question.
1: Go ahead. (laughs) You just go right ahead. So
2: (laughs) we've talked to our friend, Alisa Childers about this issue. And, you know, she has a background in the contemporary Christian music business and has left that life behind, but she, she has a lot of thoughts about it and lives in the Nashville area. And, you know, one of the issues that she says you know is 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 kind of a major issue is that sometimes the ways that christian bands are put together or groups are put together you know it's not always like let's get the people in the room with the strongest christian testimony hmm. um sometimes it's you know that it goes more on talent than on christian maturity um do you think that that plays a role at times in why we hear, and and maybe this is just anecdotal, but it seems like there's an inordinate number of deconstruction stories that come out of contemporary Christian music culture, and I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about maybe how the machine um, plays into that, hmm. and, or creates hmm. a setup for that, or
0: is- yeah, you were you were very nice by saying sometimes, <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, so. Um, I do. I mean, it's like you will you will meet some great folks in the industry, but again the machine and the way it's set up and in certain gatekeepers that are involved, it's just not if it's on the priority list it's so that they don't have to do damage control. <laughs> not necessarily cuz they're thinking worldviewishly and man, how do we transform the world through this medium? Mm-hmm. Some people do, some do, but but there's a I would say there's a there's a good dose of folks who that's probably not, not number one. They might give it lip service, but I I just, I'm not convinced that it really is number one. When we were on the road for many years as background singers, we were noticing a lot, like there was just like, there wasn't much in the way of thoughtful wrestling through worldview issues. And I used to tell, remember, I used to tell you that all the time. I was like, man, we got to do something like something needs to happen. Um, we need to, we need to have like a mandatory conference for everybody in the industry (laughs) where we come (laughs) and get some training, um, like an impact, you know, 360 type thing for artists. Cause I was like, there's a lot of good folks, but they just, I I was like, man, they're sitting ducks. Like if they encounter some of these arguments, I can already tell they're open to the wrong types of thinking. Cause for many of them, the things they study were pop culture and um, their favorite artists. And so they would get a little bit of Bible in their churches, but they were being formed mentally by these foreign worldviews, even when they, when they weren't aware that they were being formed by them. So I I could, it, it was sort of like you could see it coming the deconstruction stories um, 10, 15 years ago, but you've been doing it even longer than I have. So what would you say to that?
3: Yeah, I agree. I, I remember years ago that I started out in the industry uh, as a background singer I do remember that um, there was a tour that was canceled because of um, one of the members having challenges in their marriage, and I thought that that was awesome. That that person walked close enough with the pastor to say, "You know what? You 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 need to you need accountability. We need to." We don't care how big this tour is. You cannot go out and do ministry until you get your life in order. I think the setup too for um, the lifestyle of, of touring and you miss church all the time, you're on the road, you may not have accountability, you're treated like a rock star. You're in one city one day, out in another city the next day and weeks and weeks and weeks of that without real community, without real accountability and your label is Hoping and pressuring you to sell, go out and stay on the road so that you can bring the numbers up. I think you're right, baby. It's set up for um, not a realistic, flourishing, holistic Christian walk unless you are really seeking it out, unless you're out here and you're not playing and you want to make sure you finish strong. I mean, because a lot of times um, you know, I, I I tell the kids here, you know, for a label to sign you, it's got to make sense. Mm-hmm. Dollars and cents. They want to make sure that they don't go in debt over you. They want it. To, you you have to sell a product and they want you to do well. And if you don't do well, I've seen artists be on one tour one year and cancel the next year because they're not, quote unquote, successful. So um, and then, yeah, I'm going to say up. one
0: more thing. Sorry, I know we're running late yeah, here. Sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. So, so a few, a few years ago, and I'm not, I don't you know, need to name names, but a, one of the largest Christian artists in the world was on a secular radio show. And they asked this person about, was homosexuality wrong? The reason we started our podcast was because of this very event because they basically said, well, you know, I, there's many homosexuals that I love and I'm not God, so I can't say that it's wrong. So that, Not only was the answer what it was, but the reasoning for it. I'm not God. Therefore, I can't make make an ethical statement about it. It was, I was like, we have to, we have to do something like we have to do something. So we started our podcast in response to that. And I know for a fact that there was a high level apologist who deals with this stuff that reached out to this person's label to say, hey, let me help them. And no response from the label. And so that's the kind of like, that's the kind of stuff that not even the, the artists themselves, but I get worked up about, cause I'm like, man, like that's, and again, that's just one fruit of, of many. Um, and, but if we're, if we're not concerned to raise up the people that are, that are having so much influence in the world and and mm-hmm. with young believers, if we're not concerned as labels to it, 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 hopefully they've they've responded by this point i pray they have and maybe they have maybe maybe they did something else besides respond to this one person's reaching out so i can't say that they haven't um but i but i've just had many experiences where i feel like the ball has been dropped time and time again because there's just not a focus on saying hey we need to train up champions like warriors for Christ that can stand in the public square mm-hmm. on on two feet and say what God's word says even if it's unpopular yeah and just and 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 to be able to say it with clarity and kindness and love and grace and all the things but um hey i didn't even mean to say that all the things <laughs> but um so but but i think man we're We're missing an opportunity if we don't if we don't really take advantage of that with the platforms that we've been given, at least in American music as Christian artists and worship leaders.
1: Do you think then I mean, gosh, with all of that being said, I I really want to be as gracious as possible, but there's something about it. Like if I'm just 100 percent real, that leads me to and it could just be a feeling um feel like to a degree there's we're, we're selling ourselves. And, and I've had I've had quite a few conversations with people who have like signed contracts and have gotten into gospel music and things like that. And it's like their feedback to me about you know the industry and stuff like that is that it's no different than our friends who have signed with secular you know labels and things like that so at that point if the christian side and some christian sides are just arms of the secular side so it's like if if there's no real difference should we be pitching ourselves even in this arena or and this is if if y'all ruled the world, you know, would, would y'all shut down this this Christian label side of things to do something that might be more in line with a biblical pursuit of, of worship. Because otherwise, I mean, and y'all y'all know I, I, I try to sugar I mean I try to temper it down, but Y'all, it just sound like people out here selling themselves. Like I, I, really want to make a deal, Woo. so I'm going. I'm going to get Nicki Minaj on my my gospel album. Nicki Minaj is the one who out here singing about. We, b- er, 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 and, bleeps. and, and <laughs> it's a family show <laughs> you know i mean but literally like Nicki minaj you 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 can you should just put cardi b on your album you know what i mean or or she haven't she's coming out with her own gospel album <laughs> you, you need <laughs> to stop. repent, repent. it's too late it's too late if you only, it Monique, if you only but it, know, yeah um, it's crazy you it, know what i mean like if you if you are the guy go- if you're the that's worship a tough leader, question you know what i mean like i don't know that's i'm it. trying to
0: We've asked that a lot. And uh, we've, you know, we've kind of put it like this. Is it redeemable? Mm -hmm. You know, is it salvageable at this point? Or is it like, no, we need to start over. Like we got to go to ground zero. I don't know the answer to that. I I hope it's redeemable, but I know for us personally, we've, we've struggled with that, man. Like when that's your living and that's everything you've worked for, for your whole life, like when you get to that moment of temptation and it's a little bit here and a little bit there, it's really hard. It's really hard and we've not done it perfect, but I think for us, um, we did come to that, that decision point at one point and we just had to walk away. And it's been the hard, you know, it's been a hard journey since then of saying like, okay, we gotta, we gotta get our machete out and cut through this jungle, a new path because it's not there. And it's, it's something we're going to have to learn and grow and stumble around and, 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 oh
2: uh, no, no, because I had one more
0: vital question to ask them. I know Hopefully, I, I have a leaning, but I, I won't say that leaning right here. I
3: think God is exposing a lot. And those who have eyes to see can see it and discern and know the difference. Mm. And I think um, I think God is 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 up to some. I have hope that things can be redeemed, but I I think it's going to take an awakening that People are just going to have to in the industry will have to want to make a difference Mm -hmm. and want to take steps towards change. And even if that means they may not recoup or I think because what's happening is you, you sell out and you still don't sometimes, you know what I mean? That that's what the enemy does. He lures you and then he accuses you and then you're still in, you're in bad shape. It's never, I don't think it's ever worth it. And it's important nowadays, now more than never. I feel like, the way we've been building now it shows it's been exposed. How have we built the church? How have we built our ministries? How have we built our, our personal, our marriages, everything is because I think everything's being shaken and God is revealing. And it doesn't take a whole lot of looking around to see the craziness. It's just, it's, it's in plain sight today. And you can, you can look at a worship artist and with lyrics in their posts, you, you know where they are, where they stand on things, and it's like, wow, really? You, you got a, a a gospel deal? Okay, I guess you know.
0: And you but know, you, no. but you can sing though, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. No, for sure. I'm sorry to cut you no, off. No, you I was thinking of bright spots. You know, there there's like John Cooper from Skillet, and like people oh, yeah. like that. That I'm like, may, maybe you know, some of those guys that have that kind of weight in the industry that like he's he's doing such a good job right now, trying to trying to bring a different perspective in a different paradigm. So I think like nervous said more people at that level, maybe um, having more of a voice into that and speaking, those kinds of things could potentially um, help things turn around.
1: I love that. You're looking at the bright spots. Have, have I know. It? And
0: I'm super pessimistic. So there you go.
2: <laughs> have you ever um, thought about like starting some kind of, and this is the bad version of this idea, but some kind of, artist boot camp, where you in, invite artists to come and learn about theology and apologetics and kind of turn the whole thing on its head in training, you know, talented people, um, up front. Like, have you ever thought about doing that?
0: Yeah, actually I have. I mean, I haven't put it down on like paper and like really made anything serious happen, but that when, when we were traveling in the industry a lot, I, I, I told I, you I had that, that dream. That. Like I was pitching it to a couple of different people in the industry. Like, Hey, can we go to like the Cove or something or get, get away and, and do like a three day training worldview in the arts and, and stuff like that. So I have, I, I you know, you're, you're inspiring me to maybe pick that back up. And, oh, I, I,
2: I, I bless that. I I really think you should run with that. And even mm-hmm. if it starts small um, to to really um, be out in front with, mm. you know, creating an alternative. Um, so I don't know, just to that was just what was coming to me. As you guys were talking, so I'm just gonna throw that out there. Um, God,
0: God anointed you tonight. He, yeah. he gave you, he gave you <laughs> an a Girl,
2: look at <laughs> <Let me fan laughs> She got a,
0: she got an auction in her spirit, Monique. <laughs>
1: All right, we got a, it. we got a uh, um, we, we
0: have, have a, a question a,
1: on YouTube. Yeah, from Seth. Yes, um Seth Ingle says what is your stance on singing groups like Hillsong Bethel elevation etc that teach word of faith theology
0: mm. Jeez.
1: like
2: I think the redeemable part is that and monique and I have talked about this is yeah is it redeemable really you know if the if the lyrics are sound um even if maybe the 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 label that it comes from or the church that it comes out of isn't sound. I mean, in a way, if most of the, the labels are owned by, you know, people that are, are, you know, they have a lot of money in it. And some of the labels are owned by secular companies and they just have a faith-based arm. Um, You know, True. at this point, <laughs> there's corruption everywhere. If you're looking at the <laughs> origin, like the only thing that matters is the origin. So
1: is it the genetic fallacy? Is, at that, is that a version Maybe, of the right.
2: genetic fallacy of where it's from? Or, the argument on the other side that I've heard is it people who have been injured by bad teaching, they associate the, this, these songs with the bad teaching. Oh, yes. and so yeah. it's hard for them to divorce the two. So it, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about it or have given any thought to this question. We get this question a lot and I'm not sure why. Yeah.
0: yeah I think we've gotten that question a lot too. I, I probably am similar to you. Oh, did you have something first? I would but... say,
3: if you are, um, solely basing your walk with God, um, on the teachings of a a popular church today, and you're not, um, doing due diligence to truly study the word for yourself and find a church where you're getting good teaching. I think, um, you might end up anemic in your walk in, in, in trying to, um, become a mature disciple. I think if your theology and your study is coming from the, I don't know, the, the, the lyrics of these songs, you know, there's been so much debate about should don't listen to Hillsong, don't listen to Bethel. I think like you, Krista, the, the, the songs can really reach and touch people's hearts. But I think if that's your, your, your diet, your soul diet, uh, I don't know if that's, that's a great thing.
0: Yeah. I would, I would similar to what she said and what you said. I think this song, I look at the song lyric itself, you know, is it? Yeah, is it, is it true? Sound, not yeah. not as much where it came from, but I get, like you said, that I get yes, people yes. That, that feel like that too. And I, I don't have like a major ax to grind either way. We, when we go and we lead at conferences and stuff, I pick songs based on are the songs themselves true. I don't yeah. really look where they come from for the most part.
2: So you look at the lyrics. Is this biblically sound? Right. Yeah. You're, you're not looking at oh, what label published this? Right, you're, you're right. Look, okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I'm looking at the lyrics themselves, and, and, and exactly how and they the sound, and does this is this fit? <laughs> you and, know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think it's the, it's by it, case,
3: I guess.
2: Yeah, case by case. I I think that the most compelling argument I've heard from the other side is that, and I think you make a really good point, Nerva, of you know, if that's your steady spiritual diet, that that can can create an anemic state. But if you can have appreciation for a song written by one of those publishers, like Elevation or something, but you also have an appreciation for deep doctrine and yes, you know, can also appreciate the the biblical, you have a pretty solid biblical worldview that I think it's less injurious than if that's the only sphere that you're operating in, you know, and that's your whole diet. And it, it, it's a mile wide and an inch deep, you know, doctrinally Mm -hmm. that can, that's when it might become, you know, more problematic for people, but there are Mm -hmm. some people, boy, they, they, they have a hard rule, like, you know, we're not gonna sing any of these these songs written by these these particular churches, and and sure. you know, they're gonna they're gonna go to the map for that.
1: Yeah, and I feel like to each his own, yeah. you know. Um, sure. I definitely lean toward, you know, it, is it biblical? Um and you know, does it does it align with scripture? I don't wanna participate in the genetic fallacy, like just because the this group Said it, and so now I got to throw everything out because what do you do with Amazing Grace? Everybody sings Amazing Grace, you know what I mean? Everybody, I don't (laughs) care, non Christians sing Amazing Grace, so what are you going to do with that? But an argument that I've heard too from the other side is more of, um, I don't want to play something or um, potentially listen to something in front of someone else that could then send them back to. This church, mm. or that they would this. start
2: following that
1: music yeah. and going to
2: look for mm-hmm. more or oh following boy. those pastors, I think that
1: is another, yeah, to lead them into yeah. a bad doctrinal no, situation. And I,
0: that would be that would probably be the strongest argument for me. Yeah. And it'd be similar to like, am I going to put a book in the four year, you know, on the four spiritual basic laws from Jamar Tisby <laughs> at, <laughs> at this point? You know, probably not because I don't, I don't want like, you know what I'm saying? Like, with that being such a, such a thing, like, do I want them to pick that up and think that I'm mm-hmm. co-signing? Oh
1: boy. Yep. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: I'm going to have to put my little I, finger up and walk on out at this point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like there, so I get that. Like there are, yeah. there are categories that I'm a hard and fast yeah. rule in. Yeah. And so I know that I'm being inconsistent in that. And that's just okay. what it is. <laughs> All right. Uh-huh.
2: Fine, final question. Um, What, what are some themes that you feel like are missing today in worship songs that are being written right now. Like, you know, you know I, whenever I ask my students, when we do the doctrine of the Trinity, one of the things i do is, you know, think about songs that they sing in their church, you know, about the Trinity. And it's always like, Holy, Holy, Holy. And, you know, maybe one or two other songs. And it's like the Trinity isn't a topic that's being covered too much by Hillsong, you know, like that's, that's, that's not, but what are some themes that you think, maybe we're overlooking that are critical parts of our faith
4: Hmm. that
2: we don't, we don't sing about.
0: I got, yeah. You want to go first or you want me to go first?
3: You know, I remember us having a debate about this in class and I think um, we had a hard time finding songs that had lyrics in it that spoke about uh, the holy fear of God. Mm. And I think that's a good topic. Um, And I think it's just always... I mean, we have enough songs. No, we don't have enough. We never have enough songs, but about the cross, you know, I love singing about, I think the, the power of his resurrection, resurrection of Jesus, I think is, I personally love that topic because I I'm, I'm doing a lot of um, counseling with Christians right now who are, um, Walking in anxiety and depression. And I, I feel like the power of God, I think singing about that power to overcome things is another great topic.
0: Yeah, no, it's good. I, I think what I add to that, as I, I was listening to uh, it, again, another Douglas Wilson quote from the other day, but he said, you know, sing through the oh. Psalms because you'll realize you have enemies. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I think you know we forget we have enemies um, because many of us are trying so hard not to that we make more of an enemy with God than with the world. But Mm. I think that um, it's like I think the the idea of war, spiritual war. I used to hate those songs too as a kid, man. Like those those when everything sounded like (laughs) those minor songs. We rush on the city, they run on the. Whoa. Uh, anyways, probably nobody else knows those but me. No. I've um <laughs> I, I used to hate those songs, man. But but now I'm like, you know, I think we could probably use a little bit more of like those victory um fight songs, songs that do express like the 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 hard truths of the that we are in a spiritual war. Did you have mm. something to add to that? Yeah, down?
3: you know, I'd like to see more responses to um, you know, the the world lets you know where they stand regarding specific issues. And I think, you know, there, there've been songs about, I mean, all manner of topics that are cultural debates right now. And, and I could, I could stand to see more representation. I feel like there's things we won't sing about. You you, you just don't talk about it, let alone sing about it. Um, topics like abortion, the redefinition of marriage. I would like to see more cultural, um, Issues addressed from the artistry, from the side, artistry side, from the yeah. artistry artistry side of the music industry, hmm. Christian music
2: industry. No, it's good. I,
1: I, I bless you in that. That's a good one. I just saw yesterday, um, day before yesterday, a song about abortion, and it's awesome. called. Um, have y'all heard? Seen that song about the baby daddy? And I'm not gonna have no baby daddy, and so I'm gonna have an abortion. And, and it goes directly to what oh, you're wow. talking about, and mm-hmm. it is it's it's a very sad sad mm. sad oh, I thought you were song saying, I don't want a baby daddy so I'm gonna get married no honey because <laughs> marriage is not on the table oh. for these people I mean in in this in this conversation mm. in this song like they're like I don't want a baby daddy um and because I don't want to have a baby daddy oops I got you know pregnant plan B plan B didn't work so now you know here I am on my way to the abortion and abortion clinic and they're like Mm. giddy and gay about it and you know it's 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 a whole thing and i'm just like you know i wish christians could step into that you know and i hear you on the artistry side i'm not we're not saying that this is worship you know but from the 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 artistry side as being a christian and offering another thought in the culture well when they come to seth's boot camp they're, they're gonna, right. they're gonna be writing those kind of songs. I, yeah. I want to come to the boot camp. I can be a background, background, background Listen. singer.
0: <laughs> like, I can Y'all be on the row. By...
1: <laughs> Listen,
0: that is I so feel funny. like Chrissy can play some drums though.
2: No, we would not. You don't want to do nothing musical. Like uh, but. Uh, no, I was we, off of my spirit. Be, I did not
0: have the anointing on that on that stage. We
2: will be uh, advertising Seth's uh, boot camp very soon. Yeah. All right. And, all right. Uh, yes. Yes.
1: yes. Yes. Helping with recruiting. <laughs> oh, let's do <laughs> it. Let's go. So now, I okay. I have a request. We're hold on. We done. No. Hold up. These people. It's like ten o'clock at night there. They young.
0: All right. That's right. That's
1: all good. <laughs> they got the anointing. We already covered this. Okay. So look, the there's a question out there um i want to say it's on facebook maybe from is it jessica i, I don't see it anymore jessica. jessica brown and she wants to know what exactly pray tell is a roller skating worship uh, i'm gonna have to think about what, well gotta, you got three seconds go no, ahead
2: because I, I, I if i have my hymn book and i could i like to plunk When i out know it the, was the blood yeah <laughs> no no there's usually there are hymns that are like written in the 50s yeah, I can't get to heaven on roller skates. No.
1: <laughs> wait, wait. So there's actual worship songs that talk about roller skates? I'm so confused. Well, you weren't a child in the 70s. No, I wasn't. I'm, I'm a lot older than you. I thought you was talking about y'all doing the bounce to like, yeah, I, I know where think- it was the blood. <laughs> yeah. no, it, 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 it's kind of that thing. Yes. Like They're, they're usually oh written in the gosh. film.
0: I'm going to make a roller skate remix to a song now.
1: You're going to not- have to. You're going to have to. That's just for Krista. Yeah. yeah. Your roller God. skate remix
0: coming your way. it.
1: Just him. Yes. Um. What? What's another one? At the Cross, At the Cross? Yeah. At the cross. You could, yeah, that yeah. could be like, you're like, at
2: the cross? At the cross? <laughs> and you got like started out. Well, yeah. you know what's interesting is Monique and I have discovered that we have a lot of songs that we know from our childhood. But- we sing versions. them completely different. <laughs> oh wow, I they're totally different fun. tunes. So, so <laughs> right. I'll be singing something, and she'll be like,
1: "That's not how that goes." That is not. Right. A, you that that is clap on, on that song. That's a rejoicing right. song.
0: Right. So exactly. why are you singing like, it like at it's at a funeral the song? Cross <laughs> at the cross. <laughs> I like like no. Name. no. Name uh-uh. I
1: say. I'm like, <laughs> where is the beat? Let the beat drop.
0: Exactly. What?
1: Where's it at? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Or she'll sing some songs really fast. And I'm like, no, that's a song you got to enter in on. You got to go hey, deep. Come on, somebody. Come on. <laughs> hey, Crystal.
2: I, I, I was telling her, it would make a funny podcast if we could come up with like four or five of these and, and then talk about how they're different. Yeah. Because you know? we see them completely different. And, yes, you know, the church where I grew up predominantly white.
1: And then she's like that's not how that goes wow. I like that song um, he's a will in the middle of the wheel do you know that song oh that's the Jesus that be one. a Jesus be a fence no not Jesus be a fence <laughs> I, came. <laughs> I came with you and it's time for us to go because <laughs> she talking about G- G- Jesus. oh Jesus be a fence who sing Jesus. Jesus be a fence Jesus Jesus, Jesus be a fence all yeah, around that me that every day, day. Hey,
3: come on, Monique, uh-huh.
0: we'll sing it! <laughs> right, she said, Dang. work it out!" Come on, but don't bro, play with me. I love don't it. Don't play with me. Right? <laughs> no, don't, 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 do pump your girl about walking around this house all night
1: come long. On. Give us a verse. <laughs> give us a verse. <laughs> uh, uh-uh, we know. Uh, uh, let me stop. Love it. Love let it. Let me stop. Um, <laughs> okay, so y'all, I'm so sad that this is the end. I don't so want to. Fun. Fun. What is-
0: We'll do part two sometime. Yeah,
1: tell, so now, tell everybody about your podcast and how yes. they can stay connected with you.
0: Yeah, man. So it's uh, it's free mind podcast on YouTube or just FreeMind.fm online. And so we try to get one out a week, just talking about this kind of stuff, culture, Bible, philosophy, theology, all that kind of stuff. Um, and also we do, like I said, music together, Seth and Nerva, probably like uh, Instagram is the, yeah, the website right there um but and like i said we're coming out with some new music we're trying to put into practice some of the stuff we're saying just trying mm-hmm. uh write writing songs that are um kind of confronting cultural ideologies from a biblical perspective so try to get something out next month called armor it's about the armor of god ephesians 6 so
1: awesome yeah. i was just on your podcast we just recorded yeah that's
0: right so yes, go yes. Check out that last episode
1: yes, yes. yes. oh Alyssa fun. just said um He's my rock, my rock, my sword, my shield. Yeah, oh, won't oh, he do it? How does that go? I never heard that song. Uh, Y'all sang it. he's sang it. In it. No, babe, Which I don't one
2: know.
1: That the, uh, Y'all don't know. He's my rock, my rock, yeah, my sword, my yeah, shield. But he Why he's a wheel so I mean, in the middle. No, because I can't do it. Yeah, you yeah, can. can If you sing, sing it like now. that, I'm going to turn off the lights.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why am I blanking on that song? You sing it. No, I can't. Yes, you can.
1: No, I cannot. Hum a few bars. No, because humming is the same. <laughs> uh-uh. I can't. Well, does that I go, know never, never
3: let me. He's just a jewel that I have found. Keep going. That's how I remember. Yeah, then you gotta get the hallelujahs. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I
1: um I came to praise his name. I can't uh, praise His name.
3: Hallelujah, hallelujah. honey
1: boy, y'all. Hallelujah, oh, I can so do great. like Kurt oh, Franklin, just talk you see, through was, it because I can't oh, sing. I right, come on. Oh,
0: hallelujah, he told me He was on the road with Donnie. <laughs> I don't know why I'm forgetting this song. I should never forget that song. Come on now. I can't remember it.
1: I Is that I love it. to praise?
0: No, that's a different. Oh, one. sorry. That,
3: see, I'm getting mixed up. No, that's the same one. I love to praise <laughs> His holy name.
0: I love to praise. Yeah. I love
1: yeah.
3: to praise His holy hmm. name that's all i have sorry y'all,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> y'all i'm going i'm gonna have to text you Next y'all time we'll, come. we'll, we'll have to we have to get in the praise. rehearsal shed we'll come back and do it next time
1: that y'all could roller hey. skate to that song hey.
0: yes yes you could roller skate to A that remix song version. yes <laughs> yes all day all day
1: all right you guys Song's in my y'all could sing for us if you want to you can ah. let the lord use you
3: yes <laughs> i want to hear monique time. on another verse come on That's Monique, right. give us another she's a good another singer. she, right? she just do a trio she is I can she, tell. she just Love has it. a story
2: in her head that she she doesn't she doesn't notice know it. she could say she only dances I know she,
1: so
0: <laughs> <laughs> give him a holy dance yeah,
1: yeah. All all right. Right. In the temple all right you guys thank, thank you thank you so much this, yeah, was this was
0: so fun
1: this. we appreciate it yeah we'll see you all next time bye
2: All right, people. I loved it. I don't want it to end. I know. You like making new friends. Uh, Yes. All right. We're going to go hear from our friends at Impact 360. Also, we're Seth and Nerva, Minister. And uh, we're going to hear from them. We'll be back in two minutes with the rest of the show.
4: Everywhere I looked, Everything I read. All the things the world told me about who I was. What I should like. It was all there. The thinking had been done for me. But what if you can't shake the feeling that you are destined to be something else? Someone else? Someone other than just popular or unpopular. The smart one, the jock, the Christian, the sinner. In the world today, how does anybody know who? Or what to be? Or what to even know? I found those answers and more. I learned how to think through the superficial problems and transcendent issues before me. And begin to understand what God has revealed and why faith is not blind what I believe in my heart, from my experiences. To know and respond to endless challenges of my faith with love and with confidence. So that I may listen and engage, because I know what I believe is true. A community where you are transformed in your character as you discover your identity in Christ and your God-given calling. It's not only who you are, but where you should be. A community where you are cultivated as a leader. Where you will learn how to live a life of service to others as you follow Jesus Christ. The Impact 360 Institute is a community of experiential and holistic learning where you develop confidence in what you have always believed in your heart to be the truth. Then. Take what you know about God and what you know about yourself and live as an agent of change in your own community. Know Jesus more deeply. Be transformed in your character. Live a life of kingdom influence. Know. Be. Live.
1: Okay, we back. Grateful for our friends at Impact 360 and the awesome work that they're doing with young people to Really deeply instill a biblical worldview.
2: We need like the Impact 360 meets art and worship. Yes. Camp. Yes. And Seth will be I, organizing I very soon.
1: I agree <laughs> with you. Yes. Now um, we, we we have a programming note. Yes, we want to start to prep you now. Um, Krista and I are going to be going on a hiatus at um, at the end of the year, so or actually for the last quarter. So beginning October, we will not be doing live shows. There will actually be um, reruns, or I don't don't know if you want to call it like a rerun, but some of our earlier shows or shows that we think are very impactful to help us think through some of the issues that we're still seeing in culture today. We're actually going to take off October, November, and December to spend time writing, and so
2: we have a big writing project that we're working on and so we're not going to be traveling we're not going to be speaking we're not going to be doing the podcast because we need to um really have focused time to work on this this big project that we'll be able to tell you about hopefully very soon but um in the meantime Monique had the idea of bringing back some classic content uh, from the archives because we have some amazing shows that we did We were doing the show long before George George Floyd, Floyd. (laughs) Mm -hmm. but the shows that we did before that um, have had very minimal exposure. So what we're going to be doing is kind of putting those together in a revised version and um, putting them out there so that you can enjoy that content. So it's going to be fresh and new for most of you. And so it'll be as if we have new shows, but they're just really, really old shows that only 35 people have seen and um just looking forward to revitalizing some of that amazing content in the month of October and the first half of November.
1: Some of you guys appreciate, will appreciate seeing Diamond and Two Braids. And if you don't know who Diamond and Two Braids are, you're going to have to watch some of the old shows to find out. Um, but, yeah, so there is that. And... I think that that's it for, you know, just wanting to make sure that you guys know what's happening. We will be back in January. Yeah. The show's um, not going away. We're not going away.
2: We're not going anywhere. So don't panic. We're just taking a little bit longer hiatus. So we took last year simply because we have a big project that we're working on. And so we need to have focus time. So we're going to still push out content throughout October and the first part of November up until Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah. Up until Thanksgiving. So yeah. So next week is
2: going to be the grand finale for this season, mm-hmm. and um, did you did you get you know you know who did you get him who the the guy for the season finale? I don't know who you talking about the, the 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 guy that we were getting the big name,
1: y'all. Your uncle? No, I um. We talked about this. <laughs> did you get him? we talked about this we we going to have to go and have us a family meeting so um, we we will have to have a conference post this show um so thank you very much for being with us and we were looking forward to seeing you next week bye you guys bye
0: thanks for listening to all the things be sure to subscribe to our website at allthethingsshow.com and find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you stream your podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the bell so you'll receive alerts when we post new shows. We'll see you next week.